You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. I'm a big believer that there is no one one modality. It's not just yoga. It's not just meditation or nutrition or mindfulness or any of these things. When we're happiest, when we're healthiest, when we're in our flow is when we're living in balance. That's my ethos. That's my belief. My guest today is named Will Black. He is a recovering alcoholic and he is a self-help coach who uses a holistic approach and incorporates meditation, yoga, and mindfulness practices. Welcome to the show, Will. Well, thanks for having me on, Brett, and really appreciate the opportunity to be here with you. Excited to have you on, Will. We were talking a little bit before we started recording, and you were telling me about some of the stuff you're involved in now, and I'm really excited about this conversation. But before we get to what your life looks like now, I'd love to take a step back and tell us what your journey looked like leading up to finding recovery. Absolutely. So really the beginning of my story started in early childhood, dealing with a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, just stemmed from a lot of feelings of not belonging, not not feeling like I, I fit in, feeling like I related to people. And developing, growing up, that led to a lot of isolation, a lot of not not knowing how to socialize, not knowing how to be a part of this world. And like many people later in life that led me down the path of alcohol, alcohol to me was a big sort of cure-all or what I felt like was a cure-all at the time as far as giving me a lot of confidence, making me feel like now I was apart, now I was just like everyone else. And as far as the depression and the anxiety went, really like quieted a lot of those voices. Now, now I could speak a little louder. Now I felt like I was part of the tribe, part of the group, felt like I belonged. Um, but really for me, I mean, that, that those moments were beyond short lived. Pretty much the moment I started drinking, I had immediate problems. Um, started drinking in college and I was blacking out on weekends. I was, Sending weird texts, I was losing my phone, losing my wallet, causing all sorts of destruction in my personal life, whether that was burning bridges with friendships, whether that was, I mean, literally in the hospital, in the drunk tank on a few occasions. And for me, even immediately knowing I had a problem, even immediately seeing the issues with it, um, this went on for years and years. I mean, at least... Where I grew up, where I was raised, alcohol was an intrinsic part of life, at least how it was how it was seen in my social sphere, whether that was growing up, like weddings, parties, um, really any sort of social gathering. And I mean, even in the workplace and work culture and in really every aspect of life, drinking is inherently part. Um, and so for me, I, I didn't so much, I didn't. I didn't really consider life without alcohol an option. I spent years really just trying to moderate, trying to control it. I didn't did everything as far as um, like limiting the number of drinks a night, having a big meal beforehand, having sips of water in between. Uh, at one point, I remember 
having like a little like keychain breathalyzer that literally lasted one single night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as as ridiculous as that could be. Um, yeah, I I tried everything to make it work and nothing did. I mean, coming now, understanding a little bit of like the science of science of alcohol, science of addiction, I mean your willpower, your ability to control is literally the first thing that goes when you start drinking. And so I might set the intention of like, okay, tonight I'm only going to have three drinks, but by drink number three, I'm like, ah, I'm feeling good. Like what's, what's one more. I, I don't care about that anymore. Like I want to keep going. I think, I think for me, like I was, I was seeking a lot of release. I wanted, I wanted to let go. I wanted to let go of inhibitions. I wanted to feel free and I don't think you can have that sort of attitude and at the same time be like, okay, I'm going to be free and have fun, but only, only three, like only four. Like that's when you start putting rules, constraints on it, it just falls apart. Um, and so for me, my big pivotal turning point wasn't so much like a big catastrophic night or anything, but it was six years of becoming a person I hated, becoming, living a life I hated, not having any friends, not having any relationships and realizing that this just doesn't work for me. Um, and so when I reached that point, I put down a bottle and I immediately just began turning to others for insight, for inspiration on how do I do this? How do I overcome it? Um, I'd, I'd never known anyone that wasn't, wasn't a drinker before or anyone I did. I, personally I was like they're boring they're lame they're weird like I don't I don't want to be like them <laughs> um that was just my bias at the time and unfortunately that's that's a perpetuated idea um but for me the two the two factors that really helped me get sober in the beginning was um tuning into my body through strength training um and meditation um tuning into my body and I mean going to the gym was something that always like I felt good if I did that like even if it was I didn't do anything I liked that day I was like if I go to the gym I did something good and then meditation was one I'd never practiced before getting sober but that one was really where helped me help me prioritize help me I was I used to be someone who was very much like I start something and then I drop it off or I get a little momentum, but I never follow through or I'm, I'm starting something and then something else grabs my mind and meditation really allowed me to have more of that one pointed attention. And I mean, especially because socializing was such a part of drinking and such a hard part in early sobriety, like meditation, really those moments where I was uncomfortable or not sure of myself. Um, meditation really gave me the space to sort of step back and be like, okay, I'm uncomfortable. I don't know how to deal with this, but like, we're going to push through this resistance. We're going to go forward. And that, I mean, that first year was most certainly the hardest, like re relearning everything, relearning how to interact with people, like relearning, creating a new identity, learning what it means to be a non-drinker. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can relate and for many of us, it, it, it felt like this was something I was giving up. And really, it's the moment when things started clicking, when things started working was, I'm not giving something up, like I'm not lesser, I'm not worse for not drinking, I'm better. Like this is actually a gift I'm giving myself and to actually have this self awareness 
And to actually go through this journey is an incredible thing that almost no one does. So anyone that chooses this path is really, I mean, you're in the 1% of people as far as, I mean, so many people don't even know they have a problem. And then so many people do and take no action. So if you're in the, if you have the self-awareness, the reflection, be like, I have a problem and I'm going to do something like that is really, really a courageous act, really a tremendous gift you give to yourself. Um, and so that, that was, that was my path for a long time. I, I very randomly, uh, enrolled in a yoga teacher training, um, really by fluke. I was, I was working in sales in time in the afternoon and I needed something to do in the morning. And I was like, maybe I'll try yoga. Like maybe that'll I'll get more flexible or something like see what that's about. Um, but yoga for me really was this synthesis of a bunch of practices, a bunch of things that had really started giving me meaning and passion, um, taking care of your body and taking care of your mind. Mindfulness practices has a great spiritual component, communal aspect. It really was this, this balance of all these modalities. And immediately I was absolutely captivated by it. And so after, after yoga, after being on my healing journey for a little, little over a year and a half, I reached this place where I didn't necessarily feel healed, but I felt like I was in a spot now where now I'm, I'm fit for service. Now I feel like I can help others. And so with that, I first started writing a book and I just wanted to, I wanted to share some of the insights I had gained, hopefully help people overcome some of their obstacles, avoid some of the mistakes I made. And I, I mean, even, even if their journeys weren't the same as mine, I mean, I, I spoke a lot on addiction and I think a lot of addictions have parallel ideas. Like I never, I was never a smoker, but I think I, you can take the lessons of quitting drinking, applying, apply it to smoking. Um, so all, all of 2020, I spent, spent writing my book and then later in the year, I just became more interested in actually working, working with people, whether that was teams, whether that was one-on-one. -on -one. And so I founded the balance self and, and the balance self has evolved over time. Initially, I was mostly working with corporate teams, uh, working in a lot of groups, bringing yoga and meditation and now it's evolved more into working working with individuals one on one um and so now i'm 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 taking a more holistic approach as far as yoga and meditation are still focuses but now the emphasis is really more on helping people create their balanced life and so using using different practices like yoga meditations or helping people break through their limiting behaviors, break through their limiting beliefs, really develop that sense of self-worth, that sense of self-confidence, that purpose building. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer that there is no one, one modality. It's not just yoga. It's not just meditation or nutrition or mindfulness or any of these things. When we're happiest, when we're healthiest, when we're in our flow is when we're living in balance. That's that's my ethos. That's my belief. And so I think a lot of fitness enthusiasts, I think a lot of 
blogs or social media promotes this like one size fits all, like no carbs, no sugar, only, only strength training, only cardio, only whatever. And I, I definitely believe in living life. I think there's, there's a place for our work. There's a place for us to have fun. There's a place for our relationships or friends or families or everything. And so, yeah, for me, it's about helping people figure out what that is for them giving them the tools, the resources, what they need to make that happen and creating that, that balanced self. That's awesome, man. I love how you were talking about how meditation was such a big part of your early recovery. And now looking at where you're at now, that's still seems like it's a large part of your recovery. And it's also something that you are sharing with other people. So I love that you found this passion and that's one of the beautiful things that I've found at least in my recovery journey so far, uh, and in and in the twelve step program that I that I go to, there's a line in one of our books, and it says that lost dreams are awakened. You know, once once we find recovery, once we put down the drugs or the alcohol, like our lives open up, and there's so many possibilities, and it's and it's limitless. And I love that about recovery. I would love to hear more about your book. Is it a is it a memoir? Is it a self help book? What what kind of book is it? Yeah, I I describe it always as like a quasi self help, quasi autobiography. As far as I one one thing I've found in the self help genre is people. People tend to write just a lot of positive messages or they write on things they've never accomplished. I think there are a million books written on making money that where the author, the way they made their money was through that book. And so for me, a big intention was like, I'm only going to write on the practices that I've mastered, the things, the insights I've gotten. And so, and the book is laid out essentially in a way as far as easier practices, building to more complex, harder, and then sort of tying it all together in the end. So the areas that I focus on are things like goal setting. Like how do you, how do you create goals that actually work? How do you, how do you make it not just something like, I want this to happen? Like, how do you actually take the steps, make it actionable, make it timely? Um, I talk about some of like the nuances as far as making goals specific, making them timely. I, I speak a lot on my addiction, my recovery, the things, the things that helped me, held me back, the things that helped me. I think mindset shifts are such a powerful, such a powerful aspect. I think, I think when people are beginning their journeys, if they, if they have a roadmap of what to expect, it, it becomes so much harder. If, because recovery is not this straight path. It's not like, oh, you just stop and now everything's good. It's like there are ups and downs. There are ebbs and flows. It, there are parts that are easier and challenging and knowing what to expect. Like one of, one of the hard parts of recovery is the, the pink cloud as far as for, for a lot of people, when you initially quit, like you feel really good because you're like, you're no longer putting this poison in your body. So literally it's like, oh, wow, I wake up easier and I have more energy and I feel great and everything is awesome. And it's just like, what happens though is it becomes your new normal. And then it's like, oh, it's, is it not working anymore or should I go back? And it's just like, no, like what happens is you climb these mountains and it's great. You get to the peak. It's this beautiful vista. 
and then there's another mountain to climb and each step along the way you're you're becoming a better person you're becoming like you're becoming more and more and each part is just training you to that that next level um so the goal the goal of my book was really to give people the foundations like the the practices the skills and the insights they needed to start their journeys lay that foundation and then really really make that start that transformation make make those actionable changes i can totally agree with what you're saying and and, I, and there's so many different different trains of thought that are coming to mind as, as you're speaking uh the first one that comes to mind is you know when i when i first got clean i think in my mind like that was it like okay i did it i'm not using anymore and i didn't realize that it that it continues you know that after that pink cloud is gone um, the journey's not over. That's just the beginning. Like there's more challenges. There's more things to learn. Um, and just like looking back on the last six and a half years, man, like if I had stopped when that pink cloud went away and I just, just stayed stagnant, man, like my life would be completely different. Uh, and another thing that you kind of touched on, that I think is beautiful. And it, it kind of ties into what you were speaking on earlier as well with the exercise and the diets and stuff like everybody's journey is different. Everybody's recovery is going to be different just because this works for me doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. And I think that's the beauty of recovery and, you know, finding these recovery communities is we can see what other people are doing, what, what they're implementing in their lives. And we can try those things out, see if they work for us. If they don't work for us, great. We don't have to do that anymore and kind of figure out what, what we want our life to look like and what works for us. Absolutely. 100%. I think aspects that are um, like about your podcast about recovery that are really beautiful is these conversations open the doors for people just to know what methods, what modalities are out there. I'm, I'm a big proponent of multiple pathways to recovery. And I think it is such a unique personalized experience personal journey and the more tools you have the more resources you have the more things that are available the more people in the community you connect to the more you can tap into those and find the one that works for you exactly and we were talking about it a little bit before we started recording we were talking about the phoenix and how it's a, a national organization and they have i guess it'd be chapters or groups all over the country that get together and they do activities and events and all kinds of things, man. I think that's a really, really cool that, that we have those kind of things available to us that if we want more than just, uh, you know, say like a 12 step program or whatever, there's other groups out there that we can get involved in to, to enhance our recovery. You know, over the course of the pandemic, I've gotten connected with some people in a uh, smart recovery group. Uh, shout out skate straight Dallas. Uh, and they do yoga before their meeting. And then they do a smart meeting after that. And it's been really cool. I haven't been able to go as often as I would like, but the few times that I've been able to make it out there, like it's really cool to see these other aspects of recovery. You know, it's not that I'm trying to replace my 12 step program because that's worked for me for six and a half years, but this is something that I'm adding in addition to that. And I can see benefits of, of adding more to it. I think that's such wonderful phrasing. I, I think so often we get caught in these like either or mentalities or like one way or the other. And I think really often if it's the choice of one or the other, if you can choose both, like that is the way to go. Like 
I, I think, I mean, I think that happens in fitness a lot where, I mean, people, they can become almost zealots of their modality, whether that's CrossFit or yoga or strength training or whatever. And it's just like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. I mean, I, I do yoga, I do cardio, like cardio gives me something so different than what I get out of yoga and strength training gives me something so different than what I get out of yoga or cardio. Like it, all, all of these are, all of these are great. Like your, what you get in your 12 step, what you get in smart recovery, like those, I think enhance each other more than they, they don't have to be like at ends or at opposition in any way. I think a lot of us have that mindset that you're talking about that either, or, and it's like, I got to pick a program and now I'm committed to this. I'm a 12 stepper or I'm a smart person or I'm a Dharma or I'm a this or that. But I think that, that that's just kind of going back to what you were talking about. That's kind of a limiting thought. You know, there's, there's nothing that says that I can't do multiple multiple things. If it, if it's, if it's benefiting me, if it's making my life better, if I'm seeing things change, then I don't have a problem with, with being involved in multiple things. You know, there's, there's, there's benefits from both. There's positives from both. So, you know, take what I need. And, and like we were talking about earlier, you know, work my own program and and find what works for me. 100%. I think another, I don't think it's necessarily tied specifically to recovery, but one one idea we're often raised on, at least here in the U.S., is this like fear of making mistakes or this fear of change. And it's so that idea can just be so toxic to us. Like it, it's okay to do something for a while and then have this not be okay for us. Like it's okay if there's one form of recovery that maybe that really helped you in the beginning and now it's not doing as much for you and. I think sometimes people are afraid of then like, oh, is that a mistake? Like, was was all that time I spent there like not not useful, not beneficial? And it's like, no, it like it got you to here and now you're a new person. Now now there are different things that resonate with you. Now there there there's just I think there are ideas of like guilt and shame in there. And those thoughts can really hold us back. They can really put us down. Um, like recently I was teaching a class and someone there, uh, was, they were talking about, they were three, three years sober and they, they just fell off the wagon and they were in treatment for 30 days and now they're coming back. And the big thing in my mind is like, that is great. Like those three years are not lost because you had a slip up. Like all of those three years were really powerful information, really great insight experience. Like that person I mean, if you're obsessed with the numbers of like what day you're on, like, oh, now I'm on day 30. And it's like, yeah, but you have three years of experience. You know so much like you're going forward. Like this isn't the same. It's not like starting at that that first point. Like this is 30 days now, but like years of info. And I think for people, whether they're they're breaking addictions, they're breaking other behaviors, other, other habits or things. It's like the, the path is not straight. It is this zigzag you go up and down. And when you can be patient and give forgiveness to yourself and know, like, and learn from your mistakes, like there's no need to like put ourselves down or beat ourselves up or punish ourselves. It's like you learn from your mistakes and you forgive yourself and you move forward. Man, I love that message. And I can, 
I can 100% relate to that, man. I had almost two years and then, uh, I went back out and, and like you said, I still had the knowledge of that almost two years. So it was totally different when I started over. And I think, you know, not to encourage people to relapse, but I think that it made it easier the next time around because I, I knew some things about myself. I knew mm. more about the program. I was able to see like what events led up to it. Cause it wasn't just, you know, I feel like it's, it's really cliche to say, but, but it's true. It wasn't just that one event. There was a series of events that led up to that moment of, of, of that relapse. There were things, there were areas of my life that were lacking, you know, spiritually and not being as involved in the program as I was. And there were definitely other elements that contributed to that. It wasn't just that one instant. So yeah, I love that. And I love that message of letting people know that, you know, if you do relapse, if you do have that slip, like you still have all that experience and all, all the, all the things that have gone on in your life. And, you know, it's not the end of the world. You don't have to beat yourself up, up about it. Like get back up, dust yourself off and keep going, man. Cause if you wallow in that self pity and shame and stuff, man, that's, that's a dangerous place to be. It really is. I mean, it that just feeds on itself. It just creates this negative feedback loop. Um, I mean, for me, for me, I experienced that a lot with like different different goals, and it would be like, uh, okay, like I, I said, I was going to go to the gym three times, and I only went once. I'm like, oh, now I feel shitty, and like I'm I'm not going to reach that endpoint as soon as I thought I was. So I might as well give up, just like abandon it all. And it's just like it does nothing. Like there's we get addicted to whatever state state we're in. There's this really odd neurobiology because you, you think it wouldn't be the case, but if all you're used to is like guilt and shame and living in that depression, like you unconsciously like keep it going. Like you, you self-sabotage. Like I, I remember so often, like I, I knew I should be doing something, but I'm like, oh, okay, I'll turn on Netflix and then I'll start. And it's like, okay, now I'm like, now I'm more tired and I'm not going to do it and I'm not in the mood. Or it's like, okay, like, <laughs> like I remember, I remember so many times like going to the gym, like feeling good. And then I'm like, okay, well, now I'm going to go eat fast food. And then I'm like, now I'm like sluggish. I'm feeling awful. And it's just like, it just keep it going. And like, it, it, it just does nothing. Like, I, I think, I think sometimes if, if we're punishing ourselves, like we're feeling like, oh, well, I'm bad. I deserve this. And so there's some sort of like justice or something being done there, like some sort of like vindication or something for that. But it, like, it does, it does nothing. Like it really, I mean, really, it's just, it's feeding that cycle. It's keeping that going. And it's hard to break those. It is 100% hard, but the more you can lean out of that and the more that like, you don't need to punish yourself more. Like just, I mean, exactly as you said, like dust yourself off, learn from it and do better next time. So we're kind of getting towards the end of the episode. I would love for you to, uh, to plug some of your stuff, man, who, who can benefit from your coaching? How can they find you? Uh, just tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Um, so anyone listening, you can find me on Instagram at the balance self that has information on my website, my book, all my like free resources available to anyone. Really? I mean, the people I work with are the ones, the ones who know, know that they have more potential. 
Like they know that they are not reaching their highest. They know they can do more and they just need that clarity, that guidance, that insight on getting there. So whether that's building up your confidence, whether that's learning how to effectively set goals, whether that's tuning more into your body, like building mindfulness practices, building meditation, building your fitness routine. Like if you're looking for true transformation, looking for a holistic approach, then I'm the one that's going to be able to give you that insight, give you that accountability, give you that one-on-one insight and support that you need. Um, and so I, I always tell people schedule, uh, shoot me a message, schedule a free call. Like I want to make sure we're a good fit. I, I definitely tailor my clients and work with people that are seeking the real change. Um, and outside of that, if you're looking to do more, more of your own self-work, I have tons of free resources. There's a lot of chapters in my book online. You can also find it on Amazon, um, and then my website is willowandblack.com or you can search the balance self and that's, that's where all my stuff is. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on today, sharing with us. I, I love what you're doing. I love the, the positive mindset and the meditation and, and just, I can see, you know, I don't, I don't know you from, from anybody else, but I mean, I can see through the webcam man. like you seem like you're just at peace, you're calm man, it's, it's beautiful. I love, I love what you're doing. And I I really do appreciate you coming on today and and sharing with me and the audience, what it is that you're working on and and giving them some tools and some things that they can use to help further that recovery journey. Well, thank you so much, Fred. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here on your show and share a little bit of my story. And it's been such a pleasure getting to know you more. And I really, really appreciate the work you're doing with recovery survey. Will, thank you again for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed our conversation. I would encourage you guys to check out his website if you're interested in his coaching or if you just want to check out his free self-mastery guide. It covers things like setting goals, meditation, and yoga. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes.